Hello, and welcome to Macro Minutes. During each episode, we'll be joined by RBC Capital Markets experts to provide high conviction insights on the latest developments in financial markets and the global economy. Please listen to the end of this recording for important disclosures. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the uh, September 13th edition of Macro Minutes that we called uh, Full Throttle. Uh, So central banks are uh, clearly um, in full inflation-fighting mode uh, and have been engaged in delivering outsized rate increases over multiple meetings, and their job isn't over, and more policy tightening should be forthcoming uh, over the next uh, few months. In today's discussion, you'll hear about our views on monetary policy, yields, and other topics uh, from myself on Canada, Blake on the U.S., Uh, Peter on the UK and Europe, uh, Gordon um, on Australia, and Adam Cole and Adam Jones will tell us about what this means uh, for FX and uh, US credit, uh, respectively. Um, I'm going to kick off the call today with an update on Canada. Uh, So last week, uh, the BOC delivered a hawkish hike, which is exactly uh, what they should have done. And the policy statement was uh, short and sweet. There was no room for misinterpretation. And it sent a very clear message uh, that inflation remains the bogeyman and that the policy cycle uh, is not over. Uh, Their communications, uh, they've been on point the last few months. Um, Again, uh, very clear message, uh, not muddying the waters as far as um, uh, discussing uh, the growth outlook all that much. Uh, The policy rate, uh, currently at three and a quarter percent, is now just slightly in restrictive territory um, based on the Bank of Canada's two to three percent neutral range. And, you know, their recent guidance did indicate that uh, policy needs to become more restrictive in the near term. So we do think that the uh, BOC is going to try to engineer um, a steady uh, step-down path. So we think uh, 50 basis points in October and uh, 25 basis points in December, that would bring the policy rate to uh, 4%. Uh, that's our base case scenario now, uh, but the size of the move in October, uh, whether it's 25 or 50, Right now, the markets uh, gravitate more towards 50, uh, similar to our view. Uh, actually, are able to deliver another hike in December uh, is going to be dependent on how quickly uh, excess demand is eroded and um, how quickly core inflation shows uh, signs of uh, peaking. The OIS market in Canada right now, pricing in the terminal rate between uh, three and three quarters and four percent which seems broadly fair to us and is not really uh, worthy of any uh, high conviction uh, trades at this point. Aside from the uh, inflation data, which is obviously the primary focus, um, activity and employment data uh, before the next uh, meeting on October 26th is going to be stuff to keep an eye on. Um, But we do think the October NPR will be um, a key uh, event for the Canadian market. Uh, whether um, October ultimately uh, marks the last hike in the cycle or whether that meeting sets up the market for uh, to this, for December to be the end game, uh, the messaging in October will need to be uh, highly nuanced in our opinion. Uh, it's going to have to indicate a conditional pause, a conditional end um, to assess the impact of past uh, policy moves, uh, that the skew is to tighten more later, or that rates will need to stay elevated for longer uh, in order to to uh, dissuade the market uh, from pricing in uh, near or medium term uh, rate cuts. As far as what this means for bond yields, we think uh, the two-year uh, will be dragged higher as policy rates are increased further, but the belly uh, to long end of the curve uh, should remain fairly well anchored. Um, so obviously fives, tens, thirties, they could bounce around, but we do think um, a situation where there's a structural uh, steepening move 
uh, is really uh, probably a 2023 uh, story. Um, we think 210s, which is currently around minus 45 basis points, uh, could get as inverted as minus 70, and 2s, 5s, uh, currently at minus 35, uh, could possibly reach uh, minus 55. And just um, on a closing note, um, generally history has been unkind to those that attempt uh, steepeners uh, before a rate tightening cycle uh, is over. Uh, with that, um, over to Blake on the uh, Fed call and views on the Treasury market. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So obviously, um, you know, today the attention in the U.S. is all going to be on the PI print. Um, you know, I think core is really now uh, the more important focus. Um, consensus right now is for a 0.3% month over month. Our own forecast is for a very high 0.2%, meaning, um, you know, you're just kind of missing out on that rounding up by a, uh, uh, by a couple of points. Um, it, you know, headline a lot less relevant given some of the recent energy moves. I think that's uh, pretty well digested by markets. Um, you know, they're largely going to look through any kind of, um, you know, big misses or beats on, on headline, really focusing on that core number. Um, you know, given kind of where our forecast is, where consensus is, I think that 0.2 to 0.3 range month over month um, is likely in the range of kind of a Goldilocks outcome. I think on the downside, um, you know, you get down to a 0.1 or even a low 0.2. Um, I think you probably extend the rally that's already in progress this morning, maybe some slight full steepening flavor to that. Uh, but I think the bar's really pushing September FOMC back down towards 50 basis points, and the market is actually quite high. Um, you know, on the other side, a beat, um, you know, almost certainly going to prompt some uh, return to bear flattening. Um, you know, I think the, the uh, uh, lean of markets coming into this is to continue to sell off. So, um, you know, it wouldn't take much there um, on the high side to, to kind of reverse today's rally and get back towards, um, you know, yields grinding higher, particularly in the front end and belly. Um, you know, for September, uh, FOMC, uh, you know, can be expected given the comments I just mentioned. Um, you know, the run of relatively positive activity data in the U.S., um, some of the easing in financial conditions we've seen since the July FOM FOMC meeting, and I would say lastly, the um, article that uh, Nick Timoros of uh, the Journal posted last week suggesting 75 basis points, um, you know, was a possibility at the FOMC meeting. And recall that he was the one that wrote the article uh, back in June during the blackout period that, that completely rearranged market expectations heading into that meeting. Um, so, you know, he came out with another suggesting 75 basis points. Now, um, all of those things have, have kind of gotten us, um, you know, the market to a very strong base case uh, that 75 basis points is going to be the move at the September meeting. Um, you know, after that, um, we expect a downshift to 50 basis points in 25 at November, December. Um, and then from there on out um, into 2023, I think further 25 basis point hikes are going to be highly data dependent. Um, you know, they're going to need either some type of retrenchment inflation data or even just kind of a lack of deterioration in labor data and, and you know, the, the labor market continuing to rumble along to keep getting those additional 25 basis points. But we don't currently have that penciled in. Um, you know, even beyond that, um, as we go out into the second half of 2023, um, you know, the Fed has been relatively successful in, in pushing some of that cut pricing out. Um, but, you know, we, we find that pricing relatively fair uh, in, in, the, in the ballpark of one to two cuts in the second half of 2023. Um, you know, despite the Fed's kind of insistence that um, they're going to keep uh, uh, rates high after reaching that terminal rate, um, you know, we think this is really based entirely on trying to keep financial conditions tight, um, you know, keep them from kind of slipping, easy, slipping to easier um, uh, uh, stance as they did earlier this summer. Um, they're trying to jawbone that up with this communication about leaving rates high, but when it really comes down to it, um, you know, th this is not going to be something that 
they view as a commitment in the face of a slowing economy. So if we do get that kind of slowdown in 2023 that we expect, um, no reason, despite what the Fed is telling us now, there's no reason that we that you know we should expect that we wouldn't see cuts in the second half of the year. So that pricing there is is relatively uh, uh, fine in the kind of one to two cut region. Um, you know, so where does that kind of leave our forecasts? Um, you know, the, we've moved up from 50 to 75 base case for September, but we've also seen a very modest rise in our modal terminal expectations, which we now see, um, you know, settling in at 375, 4% by the end of this year. And for now, um, you know, kind of staying there into the first half of next year, but with a very low bar to, to adding in some additional 25s if the data allow it. Um, along with kind of the marked marking, um, you know, some marking to market with uh, the, sum, the sell-off we've seen over the last few weeks, we've also revised our year-end uh, rate forecast higher. Um, you know, we now think markets um, are set to, to kind of end the year with 10s around 3% and 2s, 10s, um, pushing further flatter and kind of reinverting down to that negative 55 basis point level by year-end and remaining significantly inverted until uh, uh, we kind of start approaching that cutting cycle uh, that we just described in, in late 2023. Uh, and I'll leave it there and, and pass it along. Okay, thanks a lot, Blake. Uh, next up is Peter to discuss all the fascinating developments in the UK or Europe. So um, what I want to discuss, first of all, is the ECB. Secondly, the latest developments in terms of price caps um, for energy um, and then the potential path going forward in the, our trades. So first of all, last week we had the ECB meeting, <clears throat> and I think uh, suffice to say it was relatively on the hawkish side. I mean, obviously, the first um, the first thing that they did is hike rates by 75 basis points rather than 50, so the second time in a row um, that they've been surprising the market um, by the, on the hawkish side. Secondly, however, was previously the ECB was guiding um, to get rates in the terminal rate to neutral um, without being drawn into the debate what neutral is, but it was generally understood to be around 150. Um, uh, Lagarde has now said, has, she has danced around the issue and has now said that they want to continue hiking multiple times, and she said well, it's not going to be two, it's not going to be five, so let's say somewhere in between, um, and the rate hikes are probably going to be of a, uh, of a larger proportion. So if you just do the math from where we are currently from the 75 and the depot rate, that brings you well north um, of the previous assumption of neutral of 150. We have changed our call. Uh, we now think that the ECB is going to hike 75 basis points again and will bring the terminal rate to 250. Um, so that's higher from where we previously seen it and slightly higher what the market assumes currently about 225 and um, 230. Now, the other thing that the ECB surprised about, however, <clears throat> was that they um, have said that a debate about QT is going to start fairly soon. So she has said that um, in the Q&A when she was asked both about the outstanding repos, the LTR as well as about the um, bond portfolios. So nothing has been decided yet. But you can clearly see how um, nervous the ECB is about the liquidity that's um, been created because they remunerated, they started to remunerate government holdings, which amount to about $500 billion, that are basically parked with the ECB in order to prevent them from being placed in the open market if they were continuing to remunerate them at zero. Um, and they, um, they gave the explanation that they don't want uh, further dislocations in the funding market. So you can clearly see um, that uh, this is a topic that is irking them, and I, um, I propose that this will be at the next or the latest at the December meeting become a very live issue. So QT will be a theme here. Now, um, the second topic I want to discuss quickly is that um, we are now seeing um, quite significant interventions, fiscal interventions as regards the energy situation. And there's a clear distinction, at least up to now, what the continental Europeans are doing, what the UK is doing. 
whereas the continental Europeans are basically giving money to needy incomes, uh, to, uh, to um, needy households to supplement their income, the UK is now moving to um, um, instigate a price cap. Now, that has different implications for the path of inflation, and since um, that was announced by the UK, um, we've seen sort of the upward drift on Sonia's pause to some degree. We have put a trade out on the back of the ECB and that development um, that we have recommended to close, first of all, the trade that we had previously, where we will receive five-year, five-year euros against Sonia. Um, we have uh, recommended to close it and reverse it, but also bring it down the curve, uh, where we now recommend selling um, June 23 Euribos against Sonia futures, against the backdrop that we think the terminal rate in the euro market is probably higher than what's priced, um, and uh, on, again, uh, on the backdrop of the price cap, it can come down a little bit um, in the Sonia's. Um, and last but not least, um, I recommend um, uh, um, staying attuned if you are interested in the European markets, what the interventions, the future interventions in the, in the gas market in particular, but also the electricity market uh, will bring, because this uh, is a moving target at the moment and could well be, but also the Europeans are trying to implement price caps. That's at least sort of the latest chatter that's going around, but there's no clear decision that's been taken yet. Um, and with that, I'll hand it back to Jason. Okay, uh, thanks a lot, Peter. Uh, next up is uh, Gordon to tell us about the RBA. Thanks, Jason. Um, so, yeah, there are a couple of things I'd like to talk about um, today. So, firstly, changes um, to our RBA call. And then, secondly, why we think um, terminal in Australia is likely to peak um, lower um, than in the other dollar block um, countries. So, firstly, uh, for those who aren't necessarily following the Australian market um, so closely, the RBA voted to raise, raise rates 50 base points um, at its meeting um, this month, um, taking rates to 235. Um, that, however, wasn't the only um, significant RBA um, event um, this month. Uh, Governor Lowe um, gave a speech um, later in the month um, to the Anika Foundation, uh, which was actually extremely significant. So firstly, he noted that rates um, are now in the neutral band, um, and he also observed um, that the RBA has been raising um, rates quickly. But more importantly, um, he said that, the RBA, that given this, um, the RBA was likely to slow um, the pace of rate hikes um, going forward. Now, for some time, we've had the RBA stepping down um, from its current pace of 50 basis point hikes uh, to 25 basis points in October. Um, and we really kind of take that as um, uh, further evidence in favor of our view. So we retain um, 25 base, a step down to 25 basis points in October, another 25 basis points in November. Um, but we've also added in a 25 basis point final hike um, in December, um, basically marking to market, um, obviously, this uh, global shift um, towards needing to take policy further into restrictive territory. So that means we now have um, terminal at 310. Um, and that's obviously a way um, below um, both what um, uh, we expect um, for the, the other um, dollar, what RBC expects for the other dollar block countries and what the market is pricing as well. And we think there are really a number of reasons why, term, why terminal, is likely, terminal is likely to be lower in Australia um, than in Canada, New Zealand, and the US. Um, so firstly, Governor Lowe himself um, highlighted the fact that wage pressures are less pronounced in Australia um, than elsewhere. Um, and he explicitly used that as justification for why the RBA could slow the pace of hikes while other countries are either increasing um, or maintaining um, the pace of hikes. 
Now, we'd place less weight um, on this uh, wage growth um, argument, um, but it is nonetheless a factor feeding into the RBA's decision. Um, what we would probably place most emphasis on is the quicker transmission of monetary policy um, relative to uh, the other um, developed uh, economies, and particularly through the housing market, um, where you have um, the, the, the kind of normal um, mortgage structure is variable rates, and then potentially extending at most out to three years. And so considerably shorter duration than elsewhere, implying quicker transmission and hence less need um, to go as hard um, as in other um, advanced economies. Now, the market's very much latched on to um, Lowe's comments about slowing the pace of rate hikes. Um, the Aussie-US one-year, one-year's now collapsed um, to about flat. Um, Aussie-US 10-year uh, spread um, is down at 25 um, basis points. We wouldn't necessarily recommend um, chasing these moves um, at these levels, um, but we think it's something that's interesting um, to monitor um, going forward and um, potentially were, you know, were, were we to see um, a rewidening in those spreads. And I think it's definitely something that's worth keeping an eye on, given the likely lower um, terminal in Australia than in other advanced economies. And with that, I'll pass it on to um, Adam next. Okay, thanks a lot, uh, Gordon. Uh, over to Adam on the FX side, thanks. Okay, thank you. Um, so we've had a, another month of extremely strong um, dollar gains uh, into um, the end of last week, and obviously a lot of central bank um, view changes to take on board. Um, where are we in terms of the FX views? Well, we're, we also have a new forecast deck out um, at, the, uh, at the end of last week. And there is a bit of a contrast between our tactical and our strategic views on FX. Tactically, we are fading the dollar rally for the last month and think it has further to correct lower from here. So in terms of specific recommendations, we put out a long euro-dollar recommendation yesterday, and um, that's our preferred way of playing um, a pullback in the dollar rally. The, the move up over the last month, once, once again, was a reflection primarily of the interaction of asset markets and the fact that we had uh, a month four straight weeks of um, losing um, trends in both bonds and equities, which, as we've said many times before, tends to be associated with across-the-board dollar gains. If we are reaching something of a top in terms of pressure from fixed-income markets here, then there is um, a little bit more to go for in terms of near-term dollar weakness. Um, and again, it ties in with being fully priced for uh, the 75 basis point next week, fully priced for a 4% terminal rate, etc. So tactically, we want to be short dollars via a long euro-dollar position. Strategically, um, we are still biased towards longer-term dollar gains. So that's been our bias all year, of course, and uh, beyond the very near term, that's still our bias. It, we don't have that combination of um, weaker bonds and equities driving it. Much more, it is just the normal cyclical worries that we've had, particularly in the Europe, still overhanging into the longer term. Correcting in, in gas prices near term um, is much less pronounced if you look into the medium term, and we'll still be a consumer living with some time, and those cyclical pressures haven't uh, haven't really changed. So. So 
um, tactically, as I say, we have a near-term dollar negative bias, but longer term, the dollar positive um, overarching theme we've had uh, for the year is uh, is still with us. Putting it into context, DXY is up about 15% year to date. We've got about another 5% to the tentative peak that we've got in the early months of next year. So moderate compared to where we've come from, uh, but directionally that's still the uh, strategic view. And that's all in our monthly currency report card that came out on Friday, uh, including forecasts for all the EM and G10 currencies we cover. Uh, I'll leave it at that and back to, uh, back to Jason. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Um, to round out today's call, I'm going to turn it over to Adam Jones on the credit trading side. Uh, yeah, good morning. Um, so, I mean, credit has actually not had a whole lot to talk about for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, if, if you rewind a couple of months, you know, we had a lot more going on. There were some struggles in the new issue market, especially in high yield, which was basically closed for for quite a while. We had, you know, in into the back end of summer, there was a... Um, there was an expectation of supply in in, in September, um, and so people were kind of positioning into that, you know, getting ready for the supply. And frankly, so far, it's been a little bit underwhelming. You know, in the U.S., uh, you know, we're expecting around 150 billion for the month. Uh, we've only had 45 so far. Uh, the first week, it was very high quality. It's been kind of underwhelming. Uh, and that's led to a bit of a squeeze uh, as people have not had perhaps the uh, the glut that they were expecting. Um, you know, it, it, the asset class is kind of attractive on a yield basis. It feels like we're a bit of a race product, to be honest, at the moment. We've definitely seen yield buying in the U.S. Um, Asia is largely, largely sidelined. Uh, you know, one of the factors impacting credit in the U.S. there is the, is the hedging costs, where these guys tend to look at uh, three-month cross-currency swaps and obviously, with the with the rate moves at the front, that's less appealing. So we've not seen Asia as active in the U.S., which is kind of a a slug of demand that's kind of been been removed. Um, Europe's been a kind of similar story. You know, the supply has been underwhelming in composition. There's cash on the sidelines, and so you know, since the sixth of September, we've kind of squeezed in. Um, there is some M&A that's worth watching. You know, uh, the Citrix deal has been largely talked about, uh, and that's been something that people have been waiting for in the high-yield space. Uh, that's being marketed right now, and frankly, it's, it's gone better than feared, and so that's also helped with, uh, with the lift that we've seen. Uh, in the U.S., we've kind of got Oracle hanging out there as well, though obviously that's a lot higher quality, and they have time because uh, they, they use a one-year facility to kind of buy themselves a while when they didn't like the market. But frankly, that's an issue that could kind of come when it wants. Uh, it's just one that, that you know, is, is worth bearing in mind before you rush in. Uh, so we're kind of sat in the middle of a range. You know, we've had a 50% retracement from our recent tights to wise, and now we're waiting for the same CPI print everybody else is. One final point on the derivative side, for those who watch CDX as an index uh, for, for USIG, we're going into the role, and it's actually a very steep role because we've got some kind of um, some, some fallen angels coming back in. So for the first time in a while, the new index is going to be a solid 10 bips wider than the one prior, which, which creates some optics of its own and kind of causes a squeezy behavior just because, you know, when people see a headline that goes 10 wider on the index that they're watching, it, it looks cheap. And sometimes the market can be as simple as that. Um, that's all from me. Okay, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining today's call. Uh, central banks are trying to find the level of rates that is uh, sufficient to contain inflation. 
which leads to the uh, high possibility of over-tightening and causing a recession. Uh, so there are going to be wild times ahead for the bond market and other asset classes, and we will continue to address these in upcoming uh, Macro Minute uh, series. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.